All right, well, good morning, get well. Good to be here with you today. Obviously, I'm a little bit hobbled today. Uh, apparently, I cannot do the same things I used to do 20 years ago, but I guess your brain catches up to your body a little bit uh, later. At the end of our block party last night, I got pulled into playing basketball with some of the boys and hit the edge of the driveway. Uh, so I want you to do your block party, but be careful. All right, so you, you don't know what danger is lurking. Uh, as we do that together. But grateful to be with you here today as we continue in our series on salt and light. In Matthew 5, Jesus tells us that we are salt of the earth and we are light of the world, that we are meant to bring flavor and goodness and to preserve uh, God's love in the world and we're to bring the light of his love and his truth and his power uh, to all people around us. And one of the ways that we're encouraging you to do that is through our weekly Love Your Neighbor Challenge. I hope that you've been engaged in some of those. Uh, here is our challenge for the week. We want you, when you find yourself in line, you're getting your coffee or you're getting that Happy Meal or you're getting your groceries or whatever it might be, and you're paying for whatever it is that you're purchasing at that time, we want you to consider paying for the person behind you. And we don't want you to just kind of pay for the person behind you and leave it at that. We've provided these little cards, they're in your seat, and you can get more of these uh, where our t-shirts are out in the coffee area. Uh, but we would love to be able to take one of these cards, give it to the clerk and say, I'm paying for the person behind me. Would you please, get, please give him this card as just a sign that Jesus loves them and we want to, I want to be a blessing to them because of what Jesus has done for me. And so we want you to share that card and we want to help you to be able to do that. So if you have not already bought a Love Your Neighbor shirt or if you want to buy one for a friend or you just need an extra one and you go over here to the coffee area and you get one either today or Wednesday, you're going to be entered into a drawing. We're going to give out a handful of Kroger gift cards for $50. And this is not for you to buy your groceries or get a, a head start on your Thanksgiving grocery list. We want you to take that Kroger gift card and put $50 toward the person behind you and hand the clerk that little card uh, that says, love your neighbor and share that blessing with them. Because that's what we wanna do. We wanna be salt and we wanna be light in this world. We wanna impact people with the love of Jesus. So today we're in week four of that series. And the title of our message today is Eden in Babylon. And what I wanna encourage you with is that even if you find yourself in an environment and a circumstance that is not what you would want it to be, not what you know it needs to be, you can still stand on the promises and the instructions of God, trusting him to redeem where you are. As I was thinking about this message, I thought about the image of a mangrove tree. Anybody ever seen a uh, area of mangrove trees growing in uh, brackish water, salty water, kind of a swamp area? Anybody ever seen these before? See, what's fascinating to me about these is not what you see above the water, but what happens below the water. Because mangrove trees have an incredible set of root system. 
And the way that the, these roots operate is they do some fascinating things for the life of that tree. One of the things that a mangrove root does is that they grow and spread out and they interweave with other roots in such a way that they provide strength for that tree, even as the tide goes in and out, even as winds come in and the environment changes, those trees stand steady because of the strength of their root systems interlocked with each other. Another cool thing that those root systems do is that as that tide comes in and out and the environment changes, they hold the soil and the, the ground around them steady so that it doesn't erode and it doesn't wash away. Another cool thing that those roots do is that inside those roots, they're hollow, but they have a filtering system in them that they can draw in all that salty brackish water and filter out all the mess and just bring in the life-giving water that nourishes it. And because of that, these mangrove trees provide uh, nourishment to all kinds of living things in its environment. And I thought, you know, isn't that what God calls us to be as Jesus followers, that we're rooted in the, the love of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can stand strong as we join our lives together and we can hold on to a firm foundation for the environment around us. Why? Because we're filtering out all the junk and focusing in on scripture tells us to focus on what is good and right and lovely and pure and worthy of praise that the mangrove tree doesn't have roots that try to escape its environment, but it's rooted in its environment to provide goodness for everything around it. What would it look like for us as Jesus followers to not try to run away from the mess around us, but to be rooted in the midst of it with the love and the truth and the power of God that we find in Jesus Christ. That's the encouragement, that's the challenge for all of us, because here's the truth is that from the beginning of time, the purpose of God for humanity is not just that we would be joined with Him and do life with Him, but that we would make a mark on the world. If you go to Genesis chapter one, when God created everything and He made man and woman, He gives them a blessing and a command. Do you remember what He said? He said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And God walked with them and they, they had this call to oversee this creation that God had given them. But what happens? Because Adam and Eve question God, they doubt God, they're not sure about uh, what God has said. And they think maybe God's holding out on us. Maybe something's, there's something better than what God has given us. And so they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and brokenness and death enters the world through sin. And then there was a curse, not only just man and woman, but on all of creation. And the curse of that sin began to make its way out into all the world. We continue reading through the story and the people are cast out of the Garden of Eden and they gather together as one people and they say, maybe we can be in control of our lives and we can build up power for us. And so they try to build this tower to the sky and because God sees that, that they're trying to do life without him, he scatters them, gives them different languages to speak there at the Tower of Babel. And then we go on in the story and God calls a man named Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, he says, Abraham, I'm gonna bless you so that you can be a blessing to all the world, that you will have as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. And through this, I'm gonna bless the world because I've got a plan to redeem 
the world. But Adam, I mean, uh, Abraham leaves, he goes with his wife, Sarah, and they go out on faith and they bring along Lot with them. But then there's a disagreement between Abraham and Lot and one camp and the other. And Abraham says, well, you go one way and I'll go another way. And Lot says, well, I want this good looking land to the east. I want this lush and fruitful land. And so he travels to the east and he starts to compromise his values and what God has called him to over time to the point where he finds himself living in the midst of two cities you may have heard of before, places called Sodom and Gomorrah. And these cities have walked so far away from God that God's ways are no longer even discernible anymore. And so God destroys these two cities. As a matter of fact, one of the people who are leaving Lot's wife turns around and she's turned into a pillar of salt. And to this day, that region that was once so lush and fruitful and good is now called the Dead Sea. And the area around that is destroyed by this salt in the sediment and the salt in the sea to the point that that sea is literally dying. And the story goes on and the, the effects of sin continue. Uh, the people find themselves imprisoned and slaves in Egypt. So they cry out to God and God hears them and he brings them into the promised land. But because again, they fail to trust God, they find themselves wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Then God finally brings them into this land and they live in a time of the judges. And if you read in that book of judges, there's a couple of different places where it says, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. They had forgotten the ways of God. And so they cry out for a king. We want to be like other nations. And through the prophet Samuel, God gives them a king, but he warns them this king is going to take your sons and your daughters and your land and your wealth. And this is exactly what the king does. And then through generation after generation, they live in one broken kingdom after another, all the way up to the point where God says, for me to, to bring out my plans of redemption, you're going to have to be exiled from the land. And so the people of Israel and Judah are attacked not once, but twice, first by Assyria and then Babylon. And they're removed from their homes and they're exiled into this place called Babylon. And at that point, God speaks through a man named Jeremiah. And Jeremiah calls out to the people and he cries out to them. He says, listen, God has not forgotten his promises and his purposes for your life. If you'll turn back to him, even here, even in Babylon, God has a plan for your life because through you, he wants to redeem all the world. And he cries out for the people of Israel, turn back to God, listen to him, surrender to him, hear what God is wanting to do in and through and around your life. And so we pick up in this conversation that Jeremiah has with the people as they're in exile in Jeremiah 29. And we're going to read verses 4 through 14 together. So we read, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. 
Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So here is Jeremiah, this, the voice of God to the people. He's crying out to them with two really specific messages. The first thing that Jeremiah says is stop listening to the false prophets. Stop listening to those voices and those messages that are just telling you what you want to hear. And isn't that a temptation for so many of us is that we listen to the voices that are saying the things we want to hear, things that make us feel better. We're not holding it up to the light of truth or testing it or saying, God, will you lead me into what's true? So instead we decide what news station we're going to listen to or what voices we're going to listen to or what people will will let into our circle and and we just listen to it just blindly and just bring it all in and never ask God is this the truth God is this line up with your word God is this leading me toward you and faithful living is the Holy Spirit at work in this and Jeremiah would say to us test the truth hold it up Stop listening to the voices that are only telling you what you want to hear. And the second thing that Jeremiah says is God wants you to be faithful and obedient where you are. You know, sometimes we get so fixated on trying to get out of the the difficulty, get out of the struggle, get out of the mess, get out of the discomfort. And that's all I can think about is how do I get out of it? How do I get to the next thing when God is saying, I want you to be faithful in this thing. I want you to be faithful where you are and trust me that I'll bring you to the next place. So Jeremiah, I think, would call out to us today with those same truths. And it really, it leaves me with one big question I've been struggling with over the last couple of weeks, and maybe you can wrestle with this as well. Do I really trust God enough to work in me, to make me who I was created to be, to work through me to be a blessing to others, and to work around me to bring good even in the midst of those messy, painful circumstances that I want so badly to get out of? Do I trust God to be at work in the midst of all that? Because if I want transformation in my circumstances and I want transformation in my life, it has to begin with formation in me. If I'm going to be committed to seeking God to transform my life uh, and what he does through me, if I'm going to be trusting God to, to transform the life around me, then I better be committed to God working in me. 
And this comes to my commitment to daily seek the ways of God. Or let me say it this way. It's to just be faithful to what I already know rather than worrying so much about what I don't know. I think if I were to sum up what Jeremiah is saying to the people of Israel, it's that. God has already given you his promises. He's already given you your instructions. Be faithful to what you already know. Let's take a deeper look and see where Jeremiah lifts this out in verses four through seven. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And here it is. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now check this out, it's something I want you to see here is do you notice the themes and overtones of the original promises and instructions of God from the Garden of Eden? What did God say? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Build houses, plant gardens, marry, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, seek the peace and prosperity of the land you're in. While the people were living in the, the mess of Babylon, God is reminding them through Jeremiah that my promises that were present in Eden are still at work. My purposes for your life are still at work if you will seek me, if you will trust me even here. See, here's the temptation that every single one of us face is that we may want to escape, but God calls us to build. I wanna escape the mess. I wanna escape the problems. I don't wanna deal with the, the junk of the culture that I live in or the, the community that I live in. I just, let me have my little huddle. Let me live in my holy huddle and let me just, let me show up to church on Sunday and show up to church on Wednesday and let me hang out with church people and let me spend all my time with people who see the world just like I do and never challenge me and they don't have any mess or they don't have any brokenness or if they do, they keep it hidden away and let me just escape all of that. When God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit is calling out to you and me as Jesus followers not to escape it, to build in the midst of it so that we could point others to what Jesus is doing in their lives. I'm gonna take a look. Some of the things that, that Jeremiah said in verse five, he says, build houses and settle down. Could it be that Jesus is calling us to create a space in the middle of our Babylon. To create a space for others in the brokenness of the world. That we would put down roots. That we would be invested in the community. That we would allow ourselves to know others and be known and invite them into our space in our schedules and in our time and in our heart and in our commitments. Would it, 
What would it look like for us as Jesus followers to, to say, I'm going to get involved in the life of the people in my community because I know that every day is an opportunity for me to bestow worth and value and love into the lives of other people. That's the truth that God caught, taught me a few years ago is that we're all just looking for that worth and that value. We're all searching for it and looking for it. And we, because we know our value is, is rooted in Christ, we get an opportunity to share that with others if we will create a space for people to come into our lives. I think a second thing that we can see here that Jeremiah is calling us to is to build habits. Jeremiah there in verse five, he says, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Now, if you've ever planted a garden, if you've ever been a, a farmer, you know that there's some intense work that goes into planting and harvesting, right? To be able to plant and bear fruit and harvest a crop, you've got some things that you've got to be committed to time and time again, intentionally, purposefully, over time, right? You've got to work the ground and you've got to till it and you've got to plant and you've got to water and then you've got to harvest and you've got to prepare that food and you've got to bring it in. And it's the same truth for our lives. If we want to grow and have good fruit and produce goodness and life in our relationships and in our lives, it takes habitual, purposeful, committed action over time. Choosing the ways of God day after day. We don't bear fruit and, and grow up good things in our lives because we follow good God once in a while or because we show up to church or we, we go on that mission trip. It's the daily choices of seeking God and choosing his ways and building holy habits over time that will bear fruit in our lives. And here's the cool thing about it is that we get to provide not just for us and not just for those close to us, but when we choose those holy habits, we get to offer those blessings to all the people around us. So we need to build habits. I think we also, number three, we need to invest in relationships. Look at what he says in verse six, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Going back to the Genesis blessing and command, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Why? Because God wants us to have an impact on this world. He wants us to, to spread our influence to the people and the communities around us for good, for truth, for love, for grace. And that impact always happens best in relationships. I cannot fully love my neighbor when I don't know, love my neighbor. I cannot fully love my coworker when I don't know my coworker. I cannot fully love that person that I'm on that ball team or that dance team or whatever it might be when I don't know them. And so I've got to invest in those relationships that I have the opportunity to love them and invest in them and share the grace and the mercy and the power of God with them. If I want to make an impact in the world the way God calls me, I have to invest in relationships. And I love them. Here's the key. I love them with the clear expectation that God is already at work in their lives to build up his good fruit. I know God's already at work before I ever show up. And so I'm willing, trusting him to invest. Invest in relationships. And then I think number four, 
is that God is calling us to choose what is healthy. In verse seven, Jeremiah says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We trust that, that God is calling us to seek goodness and health and right and worthy things in our lives and in the lives around us, that we seek out healthy patterns and healthy choices mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, that we might live healthy lives that are attractive to other people, that draw people in to the goodness of God. Now, this is not prosperity gospel. This doesn't mean God wants you to have a big house and fancy cars. It means that he wants to have the, you to have the abundance of his life living in you, joy, peace, kindness, compassion, mercy, grace, living in and through you, through healthy relationships and healthy pursuits and healthy choices. Because it's not until I'm living a healthy life that I have health to offer to others. And my desire for you and me is that we would be magnetic, drawing people in, not to draw them to us, but so that we can point them to Jesus. The people will look at us and be like, I don't know what you've got, but I gotta have it. I want that goodness in my life as well. And so we gotta be willing to resist this temptation that all of us have. And I think it's rooted in insecurity. I think it's rooted in fear. I think it's rooted in anxiety, but we all battle this, this temptation to self-sabotage that I would re rather have something less than that I am aware of, that I'm in control of, than to step out into the scary place of faith, that I'm not sure where that's gonna take me to extend myself to the lives of others. And we gotta be willing to, to resist that temptation to get back into the old habits and the old patterns and the destructive decisions and say, I wanna choose your ways, God, the healthy and right and good and pure ways so that I can point people to you. Because here's the thing, when we make these choices, when we choose to be salt and light, to bring goodness and flavor and to preserve and to point people to the love and the truth and the power of God, when we make intentional choices to be salt and light, we're not doing it just because of what we hope will happen today. We're doing it with the full expectation of what God is doing for eternity that we know that God is already at work and will continue to be at work to make all things good, that he does have good plans, that he does have a purpose for our lives, that we're gonna one day, all those who trust Jesus, who put their lives in his hands and say, Lord, you are my savior. One day, we're gonna enter the gates of heaven. We're gonna look at God face to face. And because of what Jesus has done, the father will look at us and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into my kingdom. We invest and we make healthy choices and we point people to the love of God with that expectation that there's an invitation from God for something bigger. Look at what God says through Jeremiah in verses 12 through 14. He says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I love this, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. Two promises of God. He says, I will hear you 
and I will bring you home. Do we trust that God is bringing us home? That we don't just live for this world, but there's so much more. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has placed eternity in the human heart. And that we're all longing for something more. Revelation 19 says that God, with, through the power of Christ, will come and bring a new heaven and a new earth. And he's bringing a, a new home for us to restore us and to redeem us, to bring us into his presence. And that God is calling us to lean into that, that promise. And there's a simple act of obedience that I think Jeremiah was calling the people to, and I think he's calling us to. And it's, it, here it is, it's very simple. It's just be faithful here until God takes me there. Be faithful right where you are until God takes you to the next place. And it, it might be something in your life where you're in a mess. God, this, this relationship is broken. God, my finances are broken. God, my workplace is broken. God, my family is broken and I need you to work. And God is saying, be faithful to me right here. And I'm gonna take you there. Or for some of us, we understand that the ultimate healing and the ultimate uh, salvation is not gonna happen in this broken world, but there's a home for us. We don't belong here. And God is growing a longing for us in our heavenly home. And if that's where you are, continue to be faithful here until God takes you there. He's at work. And see, so here's the truth for all of us is that when we're faithful to the first things, God will bring the new things. And when we're faithful to God, he's working out eternity in and through and around our lives. We'd be willing to trust him. We'd be willing to, in the midst of our Babylon, hold on to the promises and the instructions of Eden. Because here's what we know. As we choose God, as I choose to be faithful here until God takes me there, I know that there's more than just what I see around me right now. I know that God is redeeming and working. See, Jeremiah called the people of Israel, do not miss this. He called them to be faithful in Babylon, not just because they would one day leave that place. There was gonna be a period of 70 years. Some of those people were never leaving that place. God called them to be faithful in Babylon, not just because they would leave, but because God was gonna one day redeem Babylon. I wanna give you some homework this week. I wanna encourage you through the week to go read Ezekiel chapter 47 and Revelation chapter 22. In those two chapters through the prophets, God made a promise that he would redeem the broken land land that had been devastated by sin, as Eden became Babylon through the power of sin, that God through Christ, through the cross, through his blood, through the empty tomb, was going to redeem Babylon. In Ezekiel 47, it says that the waters, the river of life will flow out from the temple and it will flow east. It just so happens that it flows right into that salty dead sea and in its wake it brings life 
and fruit and a new garden. In Revelation 22, it says that that same river of life will flow out to heal the nations. Healing is coming. I can be faithful in my Babylon, not just with the hope that I might escape it, but with the understanding that God will redeem it. I don't know what your Babylon is. It may be the political landscape. It may be the culture we live in. It may be the battles you're fighting at school or in your workplace or in your neighborhood or your home. The Babylon may be happening in your marriage or it may be happening in your finances. I I don't know what your Babylon is, but will you be faithful here so that God can take you there? Will you be faithful here knowing God's redeeming it now and he's gonna bring you home? Can you trust him? My challenge is that we would receive the the promises of God. God wants to bring goodness in your life. He wants to transform who you are, the way you think and the way you feel. He wants to bring his blessings into your life. My question is, have you led him? Are you fighting for control? I know that God wants to bring eternity into your life. He wants for you to look him face to face one day and he wants to say to you, well done my good and faithful servant because you have put your trust in my son Jesus who did for you what you could not do. My question is, have you put your trust in him? I'm not asking if you put your trust in the Bible or if you showed up to church or you serve or been on a mission trip. I'm asking you, have you put your trust in Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered to him and say, Lord, I can't do this, I need you. And I know that God wants to bless all the people around you through you. My question is, have you surrendered to him? If you'll stand, I'm gonna pray for us. And my prayer is gonna center on this, is that God will give us a clear next step. That it might be that we let God into our lives. Maybe it's that we, for the first time ever, we really trust God. Maybe it's that we surrender to God. It could be that God, as we're praying here in just a moment, or even now, it might be that God puts a a name into your heart for you to pray for, for you to reach out to, for you to bless. I wanna ask that you say yes to that. And may God, maybe God is saying, here's a decision I need you to make. I encourage you to say yes to that. It may be he's, he's calling you to say, I'm not gonna give you all the steps yet, but I need you to step out and do this, or I need you to go here. I wanna encourage you to say yes to that. It might be that God says, I wanna encourage you with the truth over your life. I wanna encourage you to receive it. And by faith, just take that next step. That even in Babylon, the purposes of Eden and the promises of Eden still stand. And we know that God is gonna bring a new garden, a new creation, and he's gonna bring us home. And with that in mind, let's say yes to God. So let me pray for us.
And whatever your next step, as God speaks to you, would you say, yes, you can come, pray at these altars, you can pray where you are, grab a friend. Well, let's say yes to God. Let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you. We celebrate who you are. God, thank you for your truth that speaks into our lives. God, thank you for your mercy and your kindness that frees us from sin. Thank you for Jesus who gave his blood that we could be set free, that we could have our sight set on Eden, even in the midst of Babylon. So Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray for every person here, every person watching online, speak a truth into us. Give us a name, give us a decision, give us a step, give us an act, give us a truth. And by the power of your spirit, Lord, give us faith and courage to say yes. Say yes to you, Lord. Trusting that you're taking us somewhere, that you're at work, you're redeeming even now. And we pray this in Jesus' wonderful and holy name and the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.